Welcome to our podcast, You Can Undo It Too. We are Kate and Monique, two friends who practice true forgiveness in their daily life challenges using the Course in Miracles. We share concrete examples from our life experiences on how to undo the ego mind way of thinking. And when we do, the results are mind-blowing. So join us on our learning journey because you can undo the ego mind too and find peace of mind. This is our special episode for Kate and Monique of our podcast, You Can Undo It Too. So we have our very first guest, Gary Renard, who is passing on to all of us a very important message, a thought system that we can practice and stick to, and it really works. So it has already changed many lives all over the world. So Gary, you're an author, a lecturer, and just one of us, a regular, humble human being. <laughs> and you have spoken in 44 states and 31 countries and maybe more. So a list of your books, number one, Disappearance of the Universe. Number two, Love Has Forgotten No One. Number three, Your Immortal Reality. Number four, the lifetimes when Jesus and Buddha knew each other. And Gary has a surprise of a fifth book, but we don't know when it comes out. So in addition to those books, which I have listened to them in French on Audible, and it's really good translation, he has other recordings too, such as The Secret of the Immortals, And I love that one for the application of undoing the ego. I just love it. And many, many, many podcast interviews, which can be found on YouTube. So I'm delighted to share that we can meet him also in, at his workshops in Texas, in Washington, D.C., I think, three days in May, in Hawaii, three days in July, And for sure, we are going to be there. So Kate has a little message for you. And then uh -huh. after that, we'll introduce the topics. Yes. Hi, Gary. Hello. So we, the way I see it is we're three human beings who are playing a game called podcasting. And let's enjoy each other and let's do a really great job and let's have fun. So, Gary, would you like to start out with a joke? Because I love your irreverent humor. Uh, sure. Uh, this is my shortest joke. Okay, so just take a second. Uh, uh, Jesus walks into a hotel. And uh, he's walking across the lobby toward the front desk. And he has these four big old rusty nails with him. And he goes up to the front desk. And uh, Jesus puts these four rusty nails down on the counter. And he says to the guy behind the front desk, he says, uh, can you put me up for the night? 
Really good. Thank you, Gary. Okay, that's that's my shortest joke. Thank you. So we gave to Gary three topics to talk about. And God, sex, and the current events. But we are sure that the Holy Spirit will lead him to what we are supposed to hear. So we let you in the hands of the loving presence, Gary. You can start. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, People don't usually think of the topics of God and sex as going together. Uh, (laughs) Usually they uh, think that sex is a temptation of some kind that they're supposed to resist. Uh, I've always said that I can resist anything except temptation. But uh, it's like, you know, uh, A Course of Miracles, which we're going to uh, get into, because that's really the uh, the subject matter that the teachers in my books uh, have taught me over the years. Uh, you know, they kind of like taught me a different definition of uh, temptation. Uh, and it's a much bigger definition because the Course in Miracles is a very big teaching. And it teaches, in fact, this is a direct quote uh, from the last uh, section of the text. It says that uh, temptation has one lesson it would teach in all its forms, wherever it occurs. It would persuade the Holy Son of God, he is a body, born in what must die, unable to escape its frailty, and bound by what it orders him to feel. You know, so uh, that's a much bigger definition of temptation because it's the very idea that you are a body and any one of uh, 10,000 things that may convince you that you're a body uh, would all fall under the course's definition of temptation. Now, where is that uh, temptation coming from? Well, it's coming from something that we will call the ego. And the ego is simply, for now, we'll say it's the thought of separation. Uh, It's the idea of separation, which would include the ideas that somehow we have separated ourselves from our source, which is God, and that somehow we have taken on this individual identity Uh, this personal existence that is based on the idea of separation. So not only, uh, you know, once you get that idea of separation going, not only is it a a simple idea, but it becomes very complex because uh, if you believe in it and if you have fallen under its spell, then everything that you see is separate from everything else. So everything that we see in the universe of time and space is separate. Uh, It has a beginning, it has an ending, it has an edge to it, it has a border, it has a limit, it has a finite uh, shape or form or or something to it that uh, distinguishes it from everything else. So even every object that we see has an individual identity and a personal existence. And because of uh, a series of unconscious splits that took place when we separated ourselves, or I should say appear 
to have separated ourselves from our source. Uh, we are oblivious to it. So it is very much like being under a spell. In fact, the Course in Miracles uh, uses the word dispel uh, many times to describe uh, snapping out of this spell. So we are actually under uh, the spell of the ego and we don't realize that because our own identity uh, is based on the idea of separation, that our mind, and especially our unconscious mind, which we're not aware of, if we were aware of it, it wouldn't be unconscious, but we're not aware of it. And what we have done is we have made up a universe of time and space that is based on separation because it's based on the belief in separation. So <clears throat> one of the first things I'd like to do is try to help people understand that what they are seeing is not true. That what they are seeing is a projection that is coming from their own unconscious mind. And what they are seeing is something that they have made. And what they're seeing are images that are not real. And that actually includes the people that they are seeing the people that they've known all of their lives, their family, their friends, the people that they love, the people that they hate, everybody is not true. They're not real. Now, sometimes I hesitate to start off with that because it kind of freaks people out because they're saying, wait a minute, what do you mean they're not real? What do you mean these people are not real? So this is why I'm describing them as images, but I want to make sure that people understand that A Course in Miracles also describes them as images. In fact, I want to read just uh, one paragraph uh, from A Course in Miracles. And uh, this idea appears surprisingly early in the workbook of the course in lesson uh, 15. Listen to this. It says, uh, it is because the thoughts you think you think appear as images that you do not recognize them as nothing. You think you think them, and so you think you see them. This is how your seeing was made. And the word seeing here is in quotation marks because it's not real seeing, it's image making. In fact, that's uh, what it's going to say coming up. It says, this is the function you have given your body's eyes. It is not seeing. It is image making. It takes the place of seeing, replacing vision with illusions. Uh, so right here we see a, a fundamental difference between one of two things. Vision would have to do with reality, the course's idea of reality. And uh, illusions would have to do with everything else, everything else that is not reality, which brings up the subject of non-duality. Uh, a non-dualistic thought system is saying that you may appear to have two things, but there's really only one thing. That's why it's non-dualistic. Dualism is two. Uh, oneness is one. And of course, in miracles is saying in literally a thousand different ways that of the two uh, seeming worlds, the world of God and the world of man, that only the world of God is true. 
and nothing else is true. And that's it. And uh, you'll find uh, over the years as you study the Course, which you will if you become a sincere student of the Course of Miracles, because this is a, a lifelong spiritual path for those who are interested. And if you're not interested, well, you know, maybe you'll find out about it and you'll be introduced uh, to these ideas and it'll help you uh, later someday when maybe you decide, you know, maybe that was uh, something I should look more into. Because you know how it is when people uh, first hear the truth. When they first hear the truth, it's like, that's ridiculous. You know, that's, that's mm. stupid. Then they hear uh, the same thing a couple of years later. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know? Then they hear the same thing a couple of years later. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can see where that might be true. Uh, then they hear the same thing a couple of years later. And they'll say, oh, I always knew that. <laughs> that's you know, okay. so that, that's kind of like the way that <laughs> right. it dawns on people. And we think that we always knew what we know now. And we, we didn't. You know, we didn't always know what we no. know now. You know, so it really is uh, a long spiritual path, but that's okay, because we haven't got anything better to do. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't matter how long it takes. Uh, you know, I, I know some students of the course, I tell them, you know, it could take you uh, 20 years to really get great at this. And they'll say, oh, oh, 20 years. Oh, oh that's terrible. It's such a long time. Well, they don't realize that we're talking about undoing all of the effects of billions of years, of thousands of lifetimes in just one lifetime. That in itself would be a miracle if you could really do that in just one lifetime. And it is possible. You know, maybe it'll take one or two lifetimes, but it is possible uh, to do it in one lifetime. I know people who have done it. And uh, the Holy Spirit wouldn't give you a job to do that wasn't doable. So it is possible. But the first thing uh, I want people to realize is that what you're seeing are images that you have made, and none of it is real. None of it. It's a uh, smokescreen over the truth. It's like a veil over the truth. So now you have reality. Now, this isn't uh, an idea that is unique to A Course in Miracles when it comes to a changeless reality. Uh, you could go back to Buddhism, and uh, Buddhism teaches, or at least Buddha taught, that there is a constant reality that does not shift or change. And A Course in Miracles completely agrees with that. It says that whatever is true is eternal and cannot change or be changed. Now, uh, that narrows it down a little bit. <laughs> Because there isn't anything in the universe of time and space that doesn't shift or change. You know, yet there is a changeless reality that is just beyond the veil. You know, it's kind of like the idea in Plato's cave. You know, uh, these prisoners bound in chains in a cave, they see these shadows going by. And after a while, they've been there for so long that they have forgotten that these shadows that they're seeing are not reality. They start to come to think of these shadows as being reality. Well, that's pretty much what we've done. Uh, we've forgotten the truth, and it's been so long that we actually believe that these images that we are making, and we can't see consciously that we're making them, because they're being made by the unconscious mind, 
which is uh, just one unconscious mind. It's kind of like uh, Carl Jung's idea of a collective unconscious. If you could get down deep enough into the mind, you would find that there's really just one of us, that there's really just one mind. Uh, there's one ego that believes in the idea of separation, just one ego that is appearing as many. Uh, that's also a Hindu idea. You know, the one appearing as many. So they recognize that there is this one ego that takes many, many, perhaps trillions of forms. But there is a constant reality that is just beyond the veil, just beyond the illusion. And that also, according to the Course of Miracles, is reality. So uh, that begs the question, uh, how do you snap out of this uh, hallucination? And uh, <laughs> right. the Course actually uses that word several times. You know, hallucination to describe what it is that we are experiencing and experiencing. And then there's a uh, reality and uh, that will never change. The truth will never change. Uh, the truth is the truth, whether you understand and agree with it or not. Uh, the truth is not subject to your interpretation. You know, everybody is looking to find their truth. So I want to find my truth. Well, the truth is, there's only one truth. And the truth is God, which is why A Course of Miracles says, be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. Now, uh, not only is that hard for some people to take it first, because they want to believe that, you know, they haven't uh, been going through their whole lives not knowing the truth. And they want to believe that they can find the truth out there you know, on the screen that they're looking at. Even on that popular show, The X-Files, what did they say? They said, the truth is out there. Well, I'm sorry, mm. but the truth is not out there. All that is out there is illusions, except beyond the illusion, there is the truth. And that is the real world, which is God and his kingdom. And it is possible for you to experience that even while you appear to be here. And, uh, you know, the idea that the illusion is meant to trick you, once again, is not a new idea. It's been touched upon by Plato, by Buddhism, by Hinduism. And, uh, you know, that's uh, not a new idea. However, A Course in Miracles takes the idea of truth and illusion and refines it to a degree that uh, not only is beyond anything else, but actually gives you a method to undo those illusions, to undo the faults, uh, to undo the ego, to undo the idea of separation. And I've been looking at different spiritualities for 40 years, and I've never seen anything else that really gives you a way out, yeah. a way uh, to undo the faults and actually experience reality. And uh, that's why A Course in Miracles says that salvation is undoing. And that's a pretty uh, novel idea in this world because in this world, everybody wants to do. You know, everybody's doing something and everybody wants to do something yeah, very important. That's right. And here's A Course in Miracles saying, well, actually the opposite is true. And uh, what you need to do is undo the illusion. You know, even, uh, in our very modern times, there have been movies like The Matrix that said something very profound. I mean, it didn't have the big picture, but it did say that the metrics 
was made to pull the wool over your eyes to prevent you from seeing reality. And that is a very good description of the ego. He wants to pull the wool over your eyes to prevent you from seeing reality. Now, why does it want to do that? Because it's very survival depends on you continuing to believe in this idea of separation. And the ego has kind of like taken on a life of its own. And it likes this idea of separation and it wants to keep it going. You know, that's why we all feel so important uh, when we do something, when we seem to accomplish something. You know, it's very good for the ego, you know, to feel important, uh, to feel successful. Now, right off the bat, I don't want people to think that uh, A Course in Miracles is against you being successful or against you, you know, uh, having your goals and your dreams. However, it wants you to look at them in a different way. You know, it wants to, you to look at them from what the Course would call above the battleground. So what you have is two different ways of looking at the illusion. Uh, one way is in your right mind, and we'll call that the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in your right mind, and the ego is in your wrong mind, giving you wrong-minded ideas that are based on separation. Uh, the Holy Spirit is giving you right-minded ideas, which are based on reality, and reality is oneness. In fact, it's a uh, perfect oneness. Uh, the Course describes heaven as the awareness of perfect oneness and the knowledge that there is nothing else. You know, nothing else outside this oneness, nothing else within. So you'll see as we go along what I mean about the Course being very uncompromising about this idea, because it's saying that anything that is not this perfect oneness with God is untrue. And what we need to escape from it is a certain kind of forgiveness that doesn't make it true. You know, even the idea of forgiveness that people have had, not that they even do that kind of forgiveness, but most of them, but uh, even the idea of forgiveness that most people have is based on what they're forgiving being real. You know, so uh, I'm forgiving you, but you really did it. You know, and it's still your fault. But I'm forgiving you because I'm, you know, a generous guy. You know, I'm better than you. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of forgiveness that most people do. Unfortunately, that uh, kind of forgiveness by making what you're seeing real uh, keeps it stuck in your mind. And this brings up the subject of belief and the importance of the mind and the power of belief and the power of decision. In fact, the Course in Miracles says that that is your real power. You know, it says that the uh, power of decision is your one remaining power as a prisoner of this world. You can decide to see it right. You know, so you can decide to see all these illusions with the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. That's where your real power is. And whatever you believe is what will affect you. You know, people believe in the world and they believe in the body, which the Course calls the hero of the dream. You know, your body uh, is the hero of the dream. And, you know, the funny part is <clears throat> you're not even in a body. Uh, you never have been and you never will be. Even right now, you're not in the body. When you look uh, in the mirror, 
and you see this uh, image in the mirror, that image is just a part of the same projection as everything else in the projection. So that image of your body that you are seeing is an image that you have made and it's no more true and no more real than any of the other images that you have made. It's no more personal, uh, it's no more important. Uh, at one point in A Course of Miracles, uh, Jesus, who is the voice of A Course of Miracles, now, I, in case people didn't know that, I think figure they might as well know that uh, Jesus is the voice of the Course. I thought I'd break it to him gently. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Gary. You know, what, what Jesus uh, says is that the body is outside of us and not our concern. Well, it's not our concern because it's not us. And the truth is it has nothing to do with us. Now, of course, the world believes the opposite. Uh, the world believes that the, op the body is probably the most important thing that we have and that it's real. That's true. And the number one thing we have to prevent is it's dying. So we have to protect it and we have to uh, you know, keep it safe and defend ourselves. And uh, the opposite is true. What you really are is uh, spirit. Now, when A Course in Miracles uses the word spirit, it's not talking about that the way that most people think about it either. Uh, when uh, The Course uses the word spirit, it's talking about something that is exactly the same as God. Now, uh, that could sound arrogant to some people. Uh, what do you mean I'm the same as God? Yeah, it sounds very arrogant, but no, that's not arrogance at all, uh, according to A Course in Miracles. According to the Course, what is arrogant is to think that you can be separate from God, to think that you can take on this individual identity and this personal existence that is somehow separate from its creator. That is the arrogance of the ego. So A Course in Miracles is slowly but surely, and, and this is a process, but the Course is giving us a way to undo that idea of separation and to experience, not just hypothetically, but to actually experience your reality. So uh, what is possible with A Course in Miracles as you undo the ego through a certain kind of forgiveness that doesn't make the illusion real, that instead uh, releases it because it's not true. So now you're not forgiving people because they really did something. You're forgiving people because they haven't really done anything because you're the one who made them up in the first place. And what that does is it kind of like turns the table on the ego. You know, because uh, up until now, most people, they were under the belief that the world was being done to them. And now they're being presented with the idea uh, that the world isn't being done to them. It's being done by them. <clears throat> so, you know, if the world is being done to you, that makes you a victim. Uh, let's say that this world was made by God. Well, if it was, then you would be a victim of God. You would be the victim of a force that is outside of you that did it to you. And what the Course is saying is that, no, actually, because this is a non-dualistic uh, teaching, it's saying that God uh, is still perfect oneness, which means by definition that God doesn't have anything to do with this world. And God is still perfect oneness because reality doesn't change. Because reality is a constant, because God is a constant, God is still perfect love. 
And when you think about it, that's a pretty good idea. Because if God is still perfect love, then that gives us a perfect home to go home to. But if God was like the God of the Bible, uh, who, you know, looks suspiciously human, when you look at the descriptions of God <laughs> that you get in the Bible, you know, you're talking about a, a God who even says that he is a jealous God and is always picking favorites and, you know, is always uh, getting even with people and getting revenge on people and uh, really quite violent. Uh, if that was the real God, if God was really like that, then we'd really be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately, that's not the real God. Uh, you know, the Bible says that God made us in his image. That's true. The problem is that we didn't uh, run with that. What we did was we made up a God in our image. We made up a God that is very human and looks and acts very human because that's what people uh, were mostly capable of understanding at that place in time, even though there have always been people who understood the truth. Uh, most people have not. And so what they do is they make up a religion, you know, like if, if a guy like Buddha comes along who understands things, you know, who, who really gets it, like uh, people like Lao Tzu uh, or, uh, or Buddha who are very similar. In fact, sometimes things that Buddha said are attributed to Lao Tzu and sometimes things that Lao Tzu said are attributed to Buddha. But uh, the truth is that when somebody comes along who understands things, what people do is they make up a religion. And the religion kind of like devolves into what these people already believe. And then after a while, the original message is lost. So uh, I think we should remember that Buddha wasn't a Buddhist. You know, he was a Hindu. And uh, he knew the truth. And then people make up a religion. Uh, Jesus was not a Christian. Right. Uh, you know, he was a Jew, and uh, after him, people made up a religion based on their interpretation of what they thought Jesus was teaching. So instead of uh, the wisdom of Jesus, you get the theology of St. Paul. You know, and St. Paul wrote some very beautiful things uh, in his letters to these various churches, which make up the whole uh, second half of the New Testament. But you know, it, it really wasn't what Jesus was teaching, and the message got lost, but some of it survived uh, because of his example. Uh, there are certain, you know, examples of forgiveness that Jesus taught that still survive uh, to this day, and what happened was with the Course in Miracles, uh, the time came when more and more people were actually ready uh, to understand Jesus' true uh, message. I don't think that we could have gotten A Course in Miracles without the developments of the last uh, century. In fact, uh, we didn't have a printing press until a few hundred years ago. You know, people will ask me, why didn't Jesus uh, correct Christianity until now? And I say, well, he couldn't have. <laughs> you know, first of all, we didn't have a printing press. Secondly, uh, we didn't have the insights of Freud and Jung. Uh, we didn't really understand the mind that much. Uh, we didn't have quantum physics. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have Einstein until a century ago. And uh, we didn't have this blend 
and integration of Eastern uh, philosophy into Western culture that has been taking place, especially right. the last 50 years. You know, so there've been all these developments that have enabled people to look at something like A Course in Miracles and maybe actually start to get what it's saying. Because this kind of forgiveness that is taught in A Course in Miracles is not based on the old Newtonian physics where you have a subject uh, and an object and both of them are separate from each other. Uh, quantum physics in many ways is saying that nothing is separate from anything else that it's all one, that it's all connected, and even to change one little thing and it changes everything. So uh, this leads to a kind of forgiveness where you will learn as we go along that uh, to forgive somebody else is actually to forgive yourself. And that also has to do with the way that the mind works because if you could get deep enough into Carl Jung's uh, collective unconscious, you will say just like the Hindus that there's really just one of us. And your unconscious mind knows that. Your, your unconscious mind knows everything. It would have to because that's where the projection of the universe of time and space is coming from in the first place. You know, just like in a movie theater, you know, you don't turn around and look at the projector. You look at the screen, your attention has been diverted to the screen. You know, just like uh, the prisoners in Plato's cave your attention is fixed on the screen. Yeah. And after a while, you forgot that it wasn't true, that what you were seeing was not true. Now, uh, let's say you're in a movie theater and you want to change what's on the screen. Well, it's not going to do you a lot of good to go up and mess around with the screen, you know, because that's just an effect. What you have to do is you have to find that projector, mm. you know, and you have to uh, change what's in the projector. If you change what's in the projector, now you're dealing with the cause instead of the effect. And the projector is mind. So let me read one paragraph from the course about that. And by the way, it's talking about attack thoughts. Uh, attack thoughts unconsciously are anything that promotes separation. Because unconsciously, it reminds you of this idea that you have separated yourself from God. And that is a frightening idea to your unconscious mind, which uh, I may not take all the time to go into, but listen to this paragraph. If the cause of the world you see is attack thoughts, you must learn that it is these thoughts which you do not want. There is no point in lamenting the world. There is no point in trying to change the world. It is incapable of change because it is merely an effect. But there is indeed a point in changing your thoughts about the world. Here, you are changing the cause. The effect will change automatically. You know, so uh, now you're kind of like putting the horse before the cart. You know, the course says this is a course in mind training. Uh, it says, seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. Mm -hmm. If you do that, now you're dealing with the cause instead of the effect. And uh, the Course isn't saying necessarily that the images that you are seeing are all of a sudden going to change into good images. It's talking about your experience. It's talking about your experience of life. 
is talking about changing that experience completely from the idea of being a body to the idea of being spirit. You know, and this kind of spirit is not an individual idea. This kind of spirit is perfect oneness with God. So it's saying that you only have one true reality, and that is your perfect oneness with your creator, and all the rest was made up, and none of it is true. And that's why A Course in Miracles is a purely non-dualistic philosophy. And it is relentlessly uncompromising in that idea from beginning to end. Uh, even the parts that seem to imply separation have to be taken as metaphor. So duality in A Course in Miracles is metaphor. And oneness in A Course in Miracles is meant to be taken literally. And that draws a contrast between the two seeming worlds, uh, the world of God and the world of man. Now, the way that we uh, undo the ego is kind of like uh, in three steps. I'm going to start with the last step first, something about it, because I, I want to say a couple of things from the course and from the things that my teachers have taught me over the years. I can give three basic steps in forgiveness, but I also want to give uh, some ideas from the course and from my books that support those three steps. Because sometimes people, at first, they have a hard time, you know, applying these different steps in forgiveness. Because, uh, you know, just one idea isn't enough. Uh, the truth is simple. The truth is not going to change. Right? That's simple. But the ego is not simple. <laughs> the ego is very complicated. Now, the ego is complex, and the ego wants things to be complex and complicated, and it will come up with uh, many distractions, including a thousand different ways to convince you that this is you, that you are a body. But The Course in Miracles has an antidote to that. Uh, the Course teaches, and it says this several times, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. But if God is perfect oneness, and if you're still as God created you, then that means that you are still perfect oneness and that you are in God. By the way, if you hear any noise outside, you're collecting the rubbish. <laughs> That's the ego at work. <laughs> yeah, the ego will do anything to prevent you from hearing this. Ah, yes. But uh, it'll pass in a few minutes. In the meantime, let's talk about reality for a minute. Because reality is a constant, and reality has not gone anywhere. It's here now, right now. And the kingdom of heaven is here right now. And God, which the Course teaches is a perfect love, is here right now. Hasn't gone anywhere. And it's all around you, and it's all through you. And it's possible to experience it when you begin to undo these barriers to it you know so uh, the course says that this course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love because that is beyond what can be taught it does aim however at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence which is your natural inheritance uh, your natural inheritance is nothing less than the kingdom of heaven and it's yours 
and you don't have to earn it. God gave it to you as a gift. It's yours. But in order to experience it, you have to undo the blocks to the awareness of it. So it's not that it's not here. It's just that people aren't aware of it. And it's in undoing the ego that you become aware of it. So uh, that changes reality. That goes back to uh, Lao Tzu and Hinduism and, and Buddha. And you can also see that Jesus was teaching this 2,000 years ago. If you look at things like the Gospel of Thomas, you know, where, where Jesus says uh, the kingdom of the Father is spread out upon the earth and people do not see it. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that they do not see it is because it's out of their awareness. And what the Course does is it removes the blocks to the awareness of that presence, which is here right now, which is why I tell people uh, it would be possible for you to experience that. Uh, Course of Miracles calls it revelation. Uh, but once again, the Course uses words differently than most people use them. You know, to most people, revelation means the imparting of some kind of uh, intellectual knowledge that may be spiritual, but it's also intellectual knowledge. However, when uh, Course of Miracles uses, uh, you know, that word, it's talking about an experience, you know, an experience of what you really are and where you really are, an actual experience of your perfect oneness with God. Uh, the Gnostics used to call this gnosis. You know, gnosis means knowledge. But when the Gnostics used the word knowledge, they were talking not about intellectual knowledge, but about direct experience of God. And uh, that's also what A Course in Miracles is talking about. It uses the word knowledge in the same way that the Gnostics uh, use the word gnosis. When it talks about knowledge, it's not talking about intellectual knowledge. It's talking about actual experience of God, actual experience of your source. Now, if you have that experience, and some people may have had it in another lifetime, you know, maybe when they were studying spirituality in uh, Salanta lifetime, uh, some people have it uh, in this lifetime. But if you have that experience, what will happen, even though you can't put this into words because it's beyond words, but your body will start or seem to disappear. You know, uh, it'll be gone and the world will seem to disappear and it'll be gone and it will be replaced by this brilliant abstraction that is nothing like this world. Uh, You can't describe revelation, but you can describe what it's not. And what it's not like is anything else. It's not like anything else you've ever experienced. It's, It's not like anything in this world. It's almost like the opposite of this world because there's no such thing as problems or uh, separation. So uh, it's totally fearless because you cannot be attacked in perfect oneness. But, and you know, some people will say, well, isn't that kind of boring? You know, isn't that, uh, and by the way, that's how we got into trouble in the first place was by asking stupid (laughs) questions. You know, uh, the course teaches, you know, because everyone thinks that their original thinking is very important. And the course is basically saying that it was original thinking that got us into trouble in the first place. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, the course also says that in order to learn this course, it is, you know, actually essential for you to question every value that you have ever had 
now you may be starting to get the idea of how radical uh, A Course in Miracles is because it's saying that all these things you valued all your life are not valuable. What is valuable is reality. And reality is God, which is why you want to be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. You know, so uh, what we're going for ultimately is experience. And that surprises uh, a lot of people who first come across the Course of Miracles because the Course looks very intellectual. You know, you got a half a million words, you know, you got uh, you very know, dense, you know, all these uh, thousands of different ideas, you know, and uh, it looks uh, you know, very intellectual at first. And the irony of that is that this half a million words is meant to get us to a place that is beyond all words. Uh, these words are meant to get us to a place where there are no words and where mm. none can enter because even words themselves are separation ideas. So uh, this is meant to get us to an experience that completely blows away anything that this world has to offer. You know, th this world, you know, after you have that experience of revelation, this world seems just kind of like a piddly little, you know, veil, you know, and it's so uh, transitory. Now, I don't want to bum people out too much because uh, the Course is not saying that you have to give up your life. Uh, one thing that the Course does not call for is sacrifice. You know, the Course never calls for sacrifice. Uh, it's not asking us to give up anything. You know, I'm, I've been doing the Course for about 25 years. And uh, I still have my life, and I still have a good time. <clears throat> and I live here in, in Hollywood with a beautiful woman, you know, and I have my goals, and I, you know, I'm doing my thing. Uh, what's really changed is the way that I look at things. You know, I just look at things now with the Holy Spirit instead of the ego, which is a really different interpretation. Because uh, the ego's interpretation is based on a lot of bad ideas, and the Holy Spirit's interpretation is based on things like perfect oneness and forgiveness and love. But uh, I want to point out the way that the Course uses the word love. Because I said that the Course is very big teaching. And when the Course uses the word love, it is not just talking about human love. You know, a lot of human love is uh, what the Course would call special love, oh, and yeah. which means it's based on special people. So you love certain people. You, you love you know, certain special people in your life. And the hell with these other bastards. And, <laughs> and they don't deserve my love. You know, like <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that, that's human love. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to have special people in your life. And, you know, I'm not saying uh, that you should be anything but normal. I, I would say don't forget how to be normal. Mm -hmm. Because when you get into some of these ideas, they're pretty... Uh, radical. And uh, you want to remember how to live a normal life because it helps to keep you grounded while you're going through this process of undoing the ego. Mm -hmm. you know, so if salvation is undoing, then what you do while you're living your normal life is now you start to look at it with the thought system of the Holy Spirit. And I cannot emphasize how important it is to have a thought system because the ego mind is like a wild animal. And if you don't train it, it will run wild. 
just like an animal. And that's why the course says, this is a course in mind training. You know, so it also says that an untrained mind can accomplish nothing. Uh, that's a pretty provocative statement. Because it's really saying that 99% of the people in the world are accomplishing basically nothing with their spirituality because they don't have a thought system. You know, they don't have some kind of mind training. And, uh, you know, I look back to the beginnings of my spiritual path. Well, about 40 years ago, uh, I was a wreck. You know, I was, I was a, a mess. I mean, uh, my parents uh, had died and I was miserable. I, I had already been depressed before that. And I was living a pretty uh, miserable existence. And uh, if you told me, if you met me when I was oh, 26, 27 years old, and I got on a spiritual path when I was about 27, if you met me then, you would not think that I would live to be 70 years old, mm -hmm. which I will be in a couple of weeks, right? And, and I mean, you would have doubted if I would live to be 30. <laughs> and, you know, that's how miserable in existence I was living. And thank God, <clears throat> and I do thank God, uh, there was a friend of mine. I had one friend left. And uh, this guy, <laughs> whose name is Dan, uh, took me to do this thing called the EST training. And uh, EST was my first spiritual type thing. And EST itself is pretty different and pretty radical and included a lot of uh, truth, a lot of ideas from uh, Eastern philosophy. It didn't really go all the way to God, although I, I think it tried to, but it had a lot of uh, very, very true ideas. And what it did for me was it gave me my first uh, thought system. Yes. And, uh, it gave me a way to consistently interpret everything yeah. that I saw. And I stopped thinking the way that I had been thinking. And if you're going to change anybody or anything about anybody, you've got to break those thought patterns. No matter what it is you're trying to heal, whether it's addiction or uh, any kind of bad habit or, or any kind of depression, and I know because I was clinically depressed and I didn't have any treatment for it. You know, I didn't have any uh, health insurance. I didn't have any money. You know, so I, I was just undergoing this miserable experience. And Esther gave me a way of breaking the thought patterns and looking at everything consistently. And that, it was actually a pretty good uh, thought system. It wasn't as great as A Course in Miracles. But it was a pretty good thought system. I was lucky. I, I lucked out into a good thing. I meet a lot you of know, people. You know, Gary, I, I also did the S training in 1981, and I feel exactly the same way as you. It changed cool. my life. It changed my thought system. That's great. Uh, whereabouts were you when you did the S training? Washington, D.C., August well, of 1981. Yeah, I was in Boston. Who was your trainer? Uh, I had a couple. Uh uh, Roger Dalton was uh, one of them. Yeah. Uh, Randy McNamara? I had Randy. Yeah. He was wild. Wild. <laughs> yes. He was a crazy guy. Yes. But he told the truth. Uh, yes, he did. And uh, I was fortunate enough to do a few different events with Warner. Uh, oh, wow. You know, Warner. I had. Yes. By, by the way, uh, if anybody's interested in uh, just seeing what S was like, there's a movie that you can uh, get 
either rent or buy. It's called uh, Transformation. And this movie, Transformation, actually shows Werner Erhard uh, doing some of the DS training. And it interviews him at a later age, you know, when he was in his uh, 70s. I don't know, he might be 80 now, but, uh, you know, I'm not saying that you should, well, the S training doesn't actually exist uh, anymore. It's kind of like evolved or devolved, however you want to look at it, uh, into something else, which I can't necessarily recommend. But uh, this is a very interesting movie because it'll show you what snapped me out of my depression. And that's the big contribution that uh, Werner Erhard and the S training made uh, to my life. Because I can uh, sit here before you now and tell you the importance of having a thought system and that an untrained mind can accomplish nothing, just like A Course of Miracles says. Now, getting to the thought system of the Course in Miracles, uh, it transforms your whole way of thinking to the way that the Holy Spirit thinks uh, instead of the way that the ego thinks. And it's a two complete and mutually exclusive thought systems. You cannot blend the two of them. And God knows people try. <laughs> but no, uh, you have to choose. You have to choose one or the other in order for this to be effective. Uh, the Course says that your thinking will be erratic until a commitment to one or the other is made. And I've made a commitment to thinking with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I have found that when I do that, I'm happier and that I'm more peaceful. Now, uh, I remember at first I would think peace, you know, big deal. What's that going to give me? You know, but of course, America is, is teaching that a tranquil mind is not a little gift. You know, it is a huge gift and people don't understand the implications of undoing the ego and getting your mind more and more into a condition of spirit. I feel like I have the best of two worlds, you know, because on the one hand, uh, I'm undoing the ego through forgiveness. On the other hand, because I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and because the Holy Spirit has come to dominate my mind, because the more you undo the ego, the more the Holy Spirit is kind of like taking over. You know, not that it wasn't always there, it was always there, but what you're doing is you're undoing this interference to hearing it. Hmm. The more you undo the ego, the more you can hear the Holy Spirit. And the more you can hear the Holy Spirit, now something very practical uh, can happen in your life. You can be inspired. In fact, uh, the word inspired comes from the words in spirit. The more the Holy Spirit is in your mind, you can actually get inspired ideas. And these can be very practical ideas. These can be the kinds of inspired ideas that are genius. These can be ideas that actually tell you how to make something work. And, you know, speaking of being practical, uh, let's say that you're starting a business and you can't quite make it work. You know, you can't quite make money. You just can't figure out quite what the missing pieces of the puzzle are. And you're sitting around having a lunch. You're eating a sandwich. And all of a sudden, an idea comes to you. And it's not like you thought of it. It's like, oh, wow. What a great idea. I should try that. Maybe that'll work. And, and it's like it was given to you. You ever uh, talk to somebody who does something great and you'll ask them, boy, that was a great idea. You know, how did you think of that? 
and they'll say, well, it just came to me. Yeah, that's what an inspired idea is like. It just comes to you out of the blue, so to speak. And uh, it tells you how to make it work. And it can be very practical. You know, it can even lead to success, which is why I want to tell people, you know, it's not against the rules to be successful. It's not against the rules to have a good time. You know, uh, the course uh, is a great promoter of joy. You know, uh, especially in the manual for teachers, you know, it talks about the teacher of God being joyous. It talks about a happy dream. You know, this is not the uh, suffering, sacrificial Jesus that we were brought up with. You know, this is a Jesus who is happy. He talks about being a happy learner. You know, so uh, given that one of the 10 characteristics of a teacher of God is joy, I think that we can agree that this is supposed to be a happy form of spirituality. This is not asking for sacrifice. This is not asking you to judge anybody, just the opposite. And what's going to happen, and I'll describe uh, forgiveness uh, you know, briefly as we go along, but what's going to happen as you do it is uh, you're relinquishing the ego thought system, taking on the Holy Spirit's thought system, and through undoing the ego, your experience can start to shift. Uh, your experience can start to change from the experience of being a body to the experience of being what you really are, which is this uh, perfect spirit that is exactly the same as God. So maybe as you go along, your body will start to feel lighter. Maybe it will start to feel more like the figure in a dream that it really is instead of this uh, real thing that you have to carry around. Uh, maybe it will become more difficult to hurt it. You know, I remember, uh, I guess it was about five years ago, I was in uh, Kentucky, a place you should never go. (laughs) um, It's like, I was going uh, down the escalator in the airport, and somebody accidentally kind of nudged up against me and pushed me down this uh, escalator face first, and I was all cut up, and I had blood all over my face, and I... Yeah, you know, it's really cool. And uh, it's cool. they made me go to the doctor and everything. And uh, he said, oh, you know, you, know, you can be all bruised and, and bloody and you, you got to be careful of scars and uh, you better take a month off and at least. And, and I'm like, uh, well, we'll see. But I have the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit had me do certain things. Now, it's okay to do things to take care of yourself. You know, this is the point of confusion among a lot of course students because the course talks about uh, magic and how uh, it seems to be saying that you shouldn't use illusions to heal illusions, which is true, but it doesn't say that you can't be inspired to use certain things uh, to help yourself. So whatever you're doing, do it with the Holy Spirit. You know, Do it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And there's more than one good reason for that. It's not just because the Holy Spirit's guidance will be uh, something that has more wisdom than you do. Because the Holy Spirit can see everything. And we only see a little piece of the puzzle. But the Holy Spirit has access to uh, all knowledge. And uh, it can give you some very practical idea, but there's ideas, but there's another reason why you should listen to the Holy Spirit. Because when you do, you are actually undoing the idea of separation in your mind. 
where if you do things on your own, and if you're kind of like, you know, doing things without the Holy Spirit, then without realizing it, you are actually reinforcing the idea of separation in your mind. So uh, it, it's very important. So I, I was guided to these things to do. And uh, the first thing I noticed after I went face down, down the escalator was that even though I was cutting and there was blood all over the place, it didn't hurt. Uh, so you're gonna find that your body is more difficult uh, to hurt as far as feeling any pain. And this goes back to something that my uh, teacher Persa taught me in the first book, The Disappearance of the Universe. Uh, she said that pain is not a physical process. It's a mental process. You know, so it, it looks and feels to most people like the pain is in the body, but the pain is not really in the body. The pain is in the mind. In fact, your body itself, as we said, is a projection that is coming from the mind. And you can learn to master uh, any pain that is in your mind by forgiving it and realizing that pain is actually caused by guilt. And that, uh, as A Course in Miracles teaches, the guiltless mind uh, cannot suffer. And by the way, that kind of like blows that idea of Jesus uh, suffering and sacrificing himself for our sins uh, out of the water because uh, he did not feel any pain during the crucifixion. And that may seem like a, an impossible idea uh, to some people. But pain is not caused by physical activity or hurting the body. Uh, pain is caused by guilt that is in the mind that can be traced all the way back to that original idea of separating yourself from God. That's where the guilt came from. And that guilt can be undone through forgiveness. And by the time I went face down on that escalator, I had forgiven enough, including uh, my own body, so that it had become more difficult to hurt it. Now, what'll happen is you'll go back and forth at first. You know, sometimes it will hurt and sometimes it won't. And that is actually no different than psychological pain. And psychological pain uh, can be just as bad or worse than physical pain. So at first uh, you'll forgive and it won't feel like anything's happened. It won't feel like you're getting anywhere. But then something will come along, something will happen that used to always upset you. You know, maybe uh, this person will come into the room who used to always upset you. You never liked them. They used to always rub you the wrong way. They used to always push your buttons. And then one day they walk into the room and they have no effect on you. And you'll think, well, that's weird. I should be feeling something here. I hate that person. <laughs> but yeah. it turns out that you no longer hate that person because you realize that there's no reason to because first of all, they're not real. <laughs> and secondly, you made them up. And thirdly, you wanted them to be there and you wanted them to be that way because you wanted your guilt to be in them. Mm -hmm. You wanted the guilt that you feel over the separation from God, not to be in you, but to be in these images that you have made, which is why you made them in the first place. That's practically the definition of projection. And Gary, would of, you mind elaborating on that? The fact that I make up someone in my life because I don't want to experience the thing that I'm projecting onto them. Let's say they're a jerk. So yeah. I'm, it's my own jerkiness that I'm avoiding experiencing. 
Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you can apply this, uh, you know, since there's so much uh, polarization with politics oh. in our country, right? So I will look at the other side and I'll be tempted to say, oh, they are stupid, right? What I need to remember is that what I'm seeing out there on the screen is my own stupidity that I have chosen to put out there on the screen, project out there onto the screen, because I, in my own conscious mind, feel very, very stupid for throwing away heaven, for throwing away God, and ending up in this mess of a world that leads uh, eventually to suffering and pain. And I know that in my own conscious mind, how stupid I feel for doing that, but I've chosen to see it out there and what is out there, and this is uh, a phrase that is coined in the very last section of the text of the Course. What you're seeing out there are the secret sins and hidden hates that you really have about yourself that you have chosen to see out there on the screen in these other people. That's the bad news. Now I'll give you the good news. The good news is that you can be free of that by forgiving that what you're seeing out there on the screen. Uh, by forgiving those alleged people that are out there, you're actually forgiving yourself. Because remember, yeah. your unconscious mind knows that there's really only one of us, which means that it will interpret anything that you think about another person or the world to really be about you. Now, people are not conscious of that, but your unconscious mind knows everything. So uh, it will interpret anything that you think about another person. So if you're thinking that they're really guilty of what you're accusing them in your mind of being, that is how you will come to experience yourself and feel about yourself. Uh, there's a very important law of the mind that is articulated in the Course. It says, as you see him, you will see yourself. And that is a law of the mind that you are not going to get away from. You know, no matter how hard you try. And, and as I said, the truth is the truth, uh, whether people understand and agree with it or not. Because there is a way out. What if you change the way that you think about other people? What if you overlook the body simply because it's not real, simply because it's not true? That's what Jesus did uh, 2,000 years ago. In fact, that's how he healed people. Uh, he didn't go up to someone and say, oh, this poor person is possessed by demons. No, what he did was he overlooked the fact that they were acting like they were mental. He overlooked the fact that they were acting crazy or that they were acting sick and that they thought that it was true. And he would overlook the body and think of them not as an individual being. He would think of them in his mind as being the perfect creation of God that they really were. And that is how you really heal people. If you look in the uh, manual for teachers, in the Course, it says that at no time does the teacher of God consider the nature of the illness that he is healing. Uh, what you do is you overlook the illness, you overlook the body. Just as that saying goes for yourself in the Course, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Well, that's the gift that you were giving to that person. You were saying, look, you are not a body, you are free, for you are still as God created you. You, you are still a perfect creation of God that has never left heaven. And that is why the full awareness of the atonement, which means correction, uh, the full awareness of the atonement in the Course 
is that the separation never occurred. The separation from God never occurred. That means. So, but I'm speak. I'm thinking of my brother here. He is a Trump supporter, and I don't. I mean, it says current events, and I. So you're saying, overlook that. I. I think I can. I think I can do that. Yeah. But I. I waver on it. You know, like. So overlooking it would be focusing on something other than that, and looking at his at looking at him with finding an aspect of him to, to love. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not an aspect of him. That's kind of like a separation idea. Uh, mm-hmm. What it is, is his reality. So uh, what you're doing is you're overlooking his behavior that you don't agree with. And uh, you know, you're attributing something to that behavior. You know, you, just because you don't like it or agree with it, then there's something there about yourself hidden in your unconscious mind that you don't like, that you don't agree with, because you think that you actually threw away perfection in exchange for something ridiculous. And uh, and you think that he's choosing something ridiculous. But the truth is you're the one who chose something ridiculous, and then you chose to uh, put the unconscious guilt that you feel about it out there onto him. And the way for you to be free is to forgive whatever it is he's doing, including supporting uh, Donald Trump. And by the way, that wasn't easy for me either. You know, uh, I was brought up on politics. So politics has been uh, a big forgiveness lesson for me in my life. And, uh, you know, but I feel free, you know, and uh, I feel, well, what's Donald Trump? He's a hallucination, you know, like you made him up. A Course in Miracles says there is no world. And it doesn't say uh, there is no world. Yeah, but maybe. No, it's, it says yeah. that this is the central <laughs> lesson that the Course attempts to teach. And I had to learn because I was valuing politics. And we already said that to learn this Course, you have to question every value that you ever had. If there is no world, then that means that there is no president. It means that there is no Congress. You know, there is no Supreme Court. There is no Donald Trump. Uh, these are all images that I have made. And I can be free of the world by forgiving those images. But I have to stop valuing them. You know, if, you, if you're valuing them, what are you doing? You're making them real. And if you're making them real, you are not doing A Course in Miracles. Uh, the Course says that in order to learn this Course, instead of giving truth to our illusions, we have to give our illusions to the truth. We have to surrender our illusions to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will replace them with the truth. And that is the beauty of A Course in Miracles because it doesn't just ask you to forgive the illusion. Uh, It doesn't just ask you to overlook your brother or to overlook the illusion. It gives you a replacement for it. You know, if you were to go around saying, oh, the world's an illusion, the world's an illusion, and it doesn't matter, and if it's true that as you see him, you will see yourself, then that will only lead you to believe that you are an illusion and that you don't matter. But if you replace it with the truth, which is what the Course does, and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, he thinks that he's a body and he thinks that he believes in Donald Trump, fine. But I know better. I know what he really is. I know that he never left heaven and that he's a perfect uh, creation of God. 
if you overlook that and think of him in your mind, which is where spiritual sight really is. That's where vision, according to the Course, really is. Now you're thinking of him in terms of reality. You're thinking of him as being this perfect creation of God that he really is. Then that is how you will come to experience yourself. And that's the whole point. Uh, it's not really about him. There is no him. I'm, and yeah, we you know, grew up our whole lives thinking that there was. So uh, I grant you that most people at first are going to have a hard time wrapping their head around the idea that these people that they're seeing out there are not real people. But what the Course does, it eventually replaces uh, the images that you're seeing with reality. And that reality is God and his kingdom. And even that's a metaphor because uh, in God's kingdom, there's only perfect oneness. So you and your brother uh, eventually in your experience will be together in a state of perfect oneness. Now, uh, I wanna quickly point out that people say, well, uh, am I gonna miss the ones who I do love? You know, like uh, my parents and my children and my relatives and uh, my husband, my wife, am I gonna miss them uh, in heaven? And the answer is no. And that's where uh, that experience of revelation would, will come in really handy because that is an experience that is full and whole and complete and satisfying as only perfect oneness can be. And in that experience, everybody and everything is there by definition. Uh, you don't miss anybody or anything, even every animal that you ever loved is there not as bodies, but in your perfect oneness, which means that, and it may be hard to believe, they are actually closer to you there than they could ever be here. Because this is where people are in a state of separation. Even when they try to join bodies, they can't really. You know, I'm not saying we won't try. I'm just <laughs> saying that uh, you know, the Course is teaching that true union is only possible at the level of the mind. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of our uh, conversation that few people think of God and sex uh, at the same time. Well, uh, that experience of revelation, uh, even though it can't be put into words, uh, it is a very uh, sexual experience. Uh, it's like an orgasm, except this orgasm never stops. You know, it, it keeps going on forever. Now, forever, even that word is a time-based idea because it implies a long time. Mm -hmm. But the word eternal actually means without time. You know, there is no time, which means the experience doesn't stop. It never ends. So it's a constant, uh, perfect sexual orgasm, which mm -hmm. is why A Course in Miracles describes your relationship with God as intensely personal. And it says that it involves the uh, kind of feelings that are sometimes sought in physical relationships, but physical relationships uh, cannot achieve it. So what we've done in this world is that we have made up relationships as a substitute for the relationship that we believed that we lost with God. You know, we had that intimate, uh, you know, intensely personal relationship with God. We think that we blew it. And so in this world, we have made up relationships to try to substitute for that relationship. Uh, the only problem is it's not full and whole and complete. It's transitory and separate, which means that it can't compare to the real deal. 
and the real deal is God because only God is real. Hmm. So forgive wow. me, Rob. Okay, I'm working on it. I and by he the way, just had it. Uh, I, sorry to interrupt, but uh, you know uh, this actually does get easier as you go along. It takes experience, just like anything. I mean, uh, let's say that you want to be a great piano player, right? There's only one thing that's ever going to make you even a good piano player, and that's if you sit there every day and practice, right? Yes. Uh, and why would you do that? Why would you bother to sit there every day and practice? Well, you have to want it. You know, you have to really want to learn it and do it. And that's why people will sit there day after day practicing because they really want the result. And uh, spirituality is no different. If you really want the result, you have to practice and you have to practice every day. Uh, if you don't, then you won't get the result. But if you really want it more than anything, then you will practice, which is why the Course says about the words, uh, I want the peace of God. It mm -hmm. says that to say these words is nothing. But to mean these words is everything. And if you really mean it, then you will practice and you will do it every day. And if you do, you know what? You're going to get better and better at it. Just like a piano player, you know, at first you go to play the piano, your, uh, your fingers are fumbling all over the place. You yes. don't know what to do. You don't know where to mm -hmm. go. You don't mm -hmm. sound good. Mm -hmm. But you know what? After a year or so, your fingers do start to know where to go. And you do start to mm -hmm. sound good. And you do get less clumsy and more quick at it. And that's what forgiveness is like. Uh, the more you practice, the better you get at it. The faster you get, uh, the more it flows because it's a habit. And the Course says that miracles are habits. And by the way, the miracle, mm -hmm. and of course, miracles, for those who don't know, the miracle is this certain kind of forgiveness that I'm talking about where you don't make it real and that you replace the untrue with the true. And that step uh, of replacing it with the truth is vital because a lot of Course in Miracles students don't do that final step. Uh, they'll just go around saying, oh, I forgive it because it's not true. Well, that is a step. That's actually the second step in forgiveness. But you can't leave out the third step or else it won't do you any good. You've got to replace that with the truth of God. And if you do that, now you're kind of like uh, retraining your mind that that's what you are that you are this perfect creation of God instead of this separate being that you thought you were. So with, well, with a client who was, was yelling at me and telling me that I was inappropriate and wrong in every way, and she wanted her money back, I, I was fumbling around. This just happened yesterday. I was fumbling around like, <laughs> like that. Yeah, I know. And, <laughs> and I um, had that experience. <laughs> and so maybe so and, and I, I talked to Monique about it and I, I I saw like okay this is I was able to see a little tiny bit like okay this is this is a whatever it's called I couldn't remember the name something opportunity something and and then I don't know what what would you how would you coach someone in that position well uh first of all if they're upset, you don't have to get upset. You know, two wrongs don't right. make a right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I usually say to people, "Well, gee, uh, I'm sorry you feel that way." You know, and try to you know just 
kind of diffuse it that way because now they're the ones that are upset. They're the ones that feel that way. You're not saying that what they're feeling is true. You're just saying that, you know, I'm sorry that uh, you feel that way. And I would give them their money back. Yes. Well, uh, I you know, if you can afford to, I mean, you know, we all have different situations, but I would give them their money back. And I would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, we weren't a, a good fit with each other. And I'm sure that there's somebody out there who can help you. And uh, I would let it go as much as possible. And, and then uh, I would also practice on the level of the mind. I, I would practice the kind of forgiveness and still saying to myself, I know who that person really is. You know, and what they really are. So I'm going to overlook this behavior. You know, and you better get used to it because people are still going to act crazy. You know, they're still going to act like they're mental. They're still going to engage in all kinds of crazy activities. They're still going to storm the Capitol. They're still going to do all <laughs> kinds of weird things. And uh, your job is to, like Jesus did 2,000 years ago, when he said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. You know, your job is to overlook all the madness which will continue, you know, you're going to leave this world, you're going to be enlightened, and you're going to leave this, leave this world, and the crazy behavior is going to keep right on going. But it's only a dream. So it's very much like a movie in a movie theater. Uh, an analogy I like to use is that if you're in a movie theater with uh, 50 other people, and you're in the movie, everybody in the theater is in the movie also, you know, yeah. on the screen. <laughs> You get up and walk out of the theater. Isn't that movie uh, still going for the other 49 people who are still there in the theater? It's not real. They may think it is, but it's not real. And if, when you leave here, the movie's going to uh, keep right on going. And people will say, what, what does that mean? Does it mean you're going to disappear? Well, no. Uh, the course talks about gently leaving your body behind for the final time. You know, so the time is going to come when you're going to lay your body aside for the final time. And, and some people will just think, oh, he died or she died. But what Whoops. Was, was we didn't hear that last part. So uh, that's how you leave this earth, but not really. Uh, because if you don't know the truth and if you're not enlightened, you'll just uh, come back again. Uh, the Course says that you are reviewing mentally that which has already gone by. So I mentioned earlier that we're not in the body. What you're doing is you're reviewing this mentally. You're seeing a mental movie that is in your mind, and uh, you're reviewing it. So uh, you may appear to come back and mentally review another lifetime or not, but it's not going to make any difference to the people who still think that they're here. We still think that they're in this world and that the body is real and that the world is real. So uh, it does give you a way out. But remember, the Course says that the world is not left by death, but by truth. You know, you don't leave this world by dying. You leave this world by becoming enlightened while you still appear to be here, like while you complete all of your forgiveness uh, lessons and completely undo your ego. And once you've completely learned all your lessons and undone your ego, then your mind is completely healed by the Holy Spirit. And even your experience of death, even if you're not enlightened, your experience of death will be different than it would have been. It'll be a much better uh, experience. You know, in the Song of Prayer section 
uh, the Course talks about death as being a higher realm. You know, it says this is what death should be. And it talks about a whole different experience of death because if you're removing that guilt from your mind, then the experience of death will be a beautiful experience. And, uh, you know, either you're completely enlightened in this lifetime or you're not, but either way, it's worth doing. And if there's one lifetime that you want to come back for, it would be the, the last one because uh, that's when you get to be enlightened and it's fun. And, you know, so uh, I don't care if I come back one more time, you know, I'll, I'll get to be person. I'll get to be a babe, you know, and I'll, I'll get to, uh, you know, have the, these kinds of enlightened experiences and that's okay with me. And if I happen to be enlightened, because my, in my most recent book, uh, my teachers told me that uh, it would be possible for me to be enlightened in this lifetime. So, you know, it's fine with me too. But I'm to this point that they told me about, and remember when we did that first book, uh, The Disappearance of the Universe, most of those conversations took place in the uh, 1990s, you know, 1993 uh, through uh, 2000 and up to 2001. And, uh, you know, they, they told me uh, even then that the time would come in this lifetime where I would be so happy that I wouldn't even care if I was enlightened or not. Oh. You know, so maybe that's a prerequisite <laughs> to enlightenment. Uh, when you come, when you get to the point where you don't care if you're enlightened or not, because you're living a happy dream. And, uh, I, I think I am living a happy dream. You know, uh, I want, you know, speaking of my books, like, uh, the four of them are sequential. Uh, in the second book, <clears throat> Persa gave me, uh, Persa's Gospel of Thomas. And they talked a lot in both the first and the second book about their personal experiences with Jesus, you know, 2000 years ago. And in the uh, gospel of Thomas, you, you see the kinds of things that Jesus said 2000 years ago that match up perfectly with the course of miracles. You know, he was teaching non-dualism even then. Uh, and uh, of course the real gospel of Thomas didn't survive the rise of Christianity. Uh, it was completely destroyed by the church by the year 400 AD, there were no more existing copies of the original, uh, you know, uh, Gospel of Thomas in uh, Aramaic. So let me just give you a couple of the sayings here and give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, this is a saying, they call them uh, lotions. I'll call them sayings, same thing. This is number 22. <clears throat> it says, when you make the two into one, and when you make the inner like the outer, and the outer like the inner, and the upper like the lower, and when you make the male and female into a single one, so the male will not be male and the female will not be female, then you will enter the kingdom. And <clears throat> what it's talking about there is perfect oneness. You know, there is no such thing as male or female in spirit. That's another dualistic idea. You know, and everything is in twos, you know, and that's just another dualistic idea. And when, when you make the upper like the lower, it's, what the, this is saying is that it's all one in reality. And when you see it that way, that's when you'll enter the kingdom, but you will not enter the kingdom before that because the kingdom is perfect oneness. And that's how you must 
think of everything. Uh, now this next saying will give you an idea of how many people are gonna get this. This will tell you how many people are gonna understand this. Jesus says, I shall choose you, one from a thousand and two from 10,000, and they will stand as a single one. Well, they will stand as a single one because they are one. But he's saying here probably that, you know, one in a thousand will really get that, will really understand this, two from 10,000. You know, this is not something that is for uh, the masses. And frankly, I'm shocked that my books have done as well as they have. <laughs> because uh, A Course in Miracles and my books are not telling people what they want to hear. Yeah. You know, what people want to learn is how to make money. You know, that's what they want to learn. And, uh, you know, if you want to be rich, teach people how to be rich. You know, but if you want to teach people real spirituality, then you will understand a couple of things. First of all, uh, you'll understand that there's nothing in this world that is going to satisfy people or make them happy. You know, uh, I've met billionaires who will say to me, you know, Gary, uh, I still feel like something is missing. And I'll tell them, well, that's because something is missing. And I'll give them that uh, quotation from the course. It says that a sense of separation from God is the only lack you really need correct. You know, if you could correct that one real lack, that sense of separation from God, all the other seeming lacks would take care of themselves because you would never feel lack. Uh, you would always feel like you were taken care of. You would always feel like you were provided for. You would always feel like you were being guided in the right direction by the Holy Spirit. You know, so I, and, you know, sometimes they'll call me back or write back to me a year later and they'll say, you know what, you were right. I do feel different. You know, uh, it wasn't the money that made me happy. It was this undoing of this idea of uh, separation. And you can start to feel better doing the course. You know, you don't have to wait uh, 20 years. You can feel better after a couple of months uh, practicing forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Just the, the beginning of the idea of realizing that the separation isn't true and that you're innocent, uh, that in alone, that mm -hmm. alone can work uh, miracles. Huge. Uh, We're running out of time. And I wanted to, um, before we wrap up and thank you, I wanted to make sure, Monique, do you have questions for Gary? Uh, no, I think that that's really good. And, we just want to thank you so much, uh, Gary, for uh, helping us finding our way out of this mess that we are in. And um, we just wanted to make sure that um, you don't have any other things to say or a little message for us, uh, Gary, before we part. Yes, I do. Uh, very quick uh, synopsis of forgiveness. Uh, something happens that you don't like. Uh, somebody says something, you know, like you disagree with somebody. Uh, situation or event, same thing. People, you know, it's all the same. Uh, you notice yourself starting to feel uncomfortable, anxious, or to react. As soon as you react, you're making it real. And the first step in forgiveness is stop it. <laughs> stop making it real. That's the ego. Yeah. 
the ego wants you to make it real because the ego wants this whole thing to be real. So you stop reacting. Now, if you can do that, you can move on to the second step, which the Course would describe as the holy instant. That's when you choose the right teacher instead of the wrong teacher. Now you start looking in your mind and thinking with the Holy Spirit. And the more that you learn both thought systems, the easier it will get for you to choose. When the stuff hits the fan, you know, when things don't go good, you can stop from reacting to it and choose to think with the Holy Spirit instead. And the Holy Spirit will say, look, you were upset because you were making it real. If you weren't making it real, then you wouldn't be upset. So this is where you stop making it real and you realize that what you're seeing is not true. And what you want to do is you want to find ideas in the course that support those steps. Because the better you get to know these ideas that support each step, the better you will get at doing it. And then when you realize that what you're saying is not true and you forgive it, not because it's true, but because what we're seeing is not true, then you can take the third step, which the course calls vision and which my teachers also refer to as spiritual sight. And you can replace the illusion with the truth and you can say, okay, uh, whatever these people think is going on, I know better and I know that what they really are is perfect oneness with God and totally innocent, totally worthy of being with God. And it's okay for me to realize that if I think about them that way, that is how I will come to experience myself. That is how I will come to feel about myself. So you're undoing the ego and replacing it with the truth, you know, and you're, you're releasing God's son. You know, the last uh, quotation before uh, the final section in the text, uh, it says, to you to whom God says, release my son, be tempted to not listen. When you learn it is your own release for whom he asks. And what but this is what this course would teach. And what but this is there for you to learn? Well, thank you very much, Gary, for the honor you gave us to have you with us today. Thank you I didn't, so, so I didn't much. have anything better to do. So. <laughs> thank you, Gary. I, I want to keep practicing being the person that I know I really am. Great. Thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you uh, for having me. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, that would be great. Thank An you. An honor. So Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you. Yes, yeah, see you next month. And thank you for listening. And remember, life is just a dream. Wake up with us. Thanks to our sound engineer, Pat Kicklighter, and our program coordinator, Rachel Wortham, at Resonant Recordings. Special thanks to Adam Risby for going first, making mistakes, sharing the knowledge. <laughs>